0: Lynn's omnibus. omnibus. I have been involved with higher education in some capacity for 23 of the last 25 years. Some of that time was as a student, both undergraduate and graduate. Most of it, 18 years to be exact, has been as a faculty member. Occasionally I have taken on minor administrative roles, such as coordinating a discipline or overseeing a curricular area in a music program. I have also served on and chaired various committees in my time. So, while I may not know much, I do know academia. Let me also state for the record right now so there is no question. I love my current gig. I have found something to love about almost all of the jobs I have taken in my career, but the current gig is the best gig I have ever had. So believe me when I say this. If I were to ever leave this gig, it would not be due to bad students or bad colleagues. I will not say I will never leave it because things happen. One seeks out a different path. But, as long as I am a full-time professor of music at the college level... This is where I want to be. Now having said that, academia is not without problems, and I trace these problems to two roots. The first root is internal, publication bloat. There was a fascinating article I saw in The Guardian this morning about publishers who seek out faculty members to write books. For these books, the faculty member will usually receive next to nothing in terms of royalties or honoraria. We do this sort of thing because we feel we have to. Publisher parish is no longer true at just your top research universities. Smaller liberal arts colleges and regional state schools are now demanding even more publications and their close cousins, grants, for tenure and promotion. I have even seen community college positions. That's right, institutions designed to be first and foremost teaching institutions that require publication credit for tenure. And it's trickling down even further than that. Not too long ago, a newly minted PhD could get a job and then start publishing. Now that new potential faculty member can't even get a job interview without having two or more publications on the CV. And who is reading these articles and books that we're cranking out? In most cases, nobody. It was rare enough in the days when only two articles were required for tenure to see your article cited in more than one place, to say nothing of that article or that book being a paradigm shifter. Now, when so many places require an article a year, and or a book, just to get tenure... There's so much out there that very little of it actually permeates our culture, even among people who are trained to look for new ideas. This is ultimately unsustainable. What about that other route? That one is external. Neoliberal business leaders and politicians have seen education, as they see all aspects of human existence, as a potential cash cow. Education is no longer considered a public good, and our systems do not reward an educated population. Rather, it is viewed as a private good, helpful only to the person attempting to acquire it. Since, in their view, it is no longer for all of us, but rather solely for individuals, they can apply market forces, quote unquote, which has the two-prong effect of making college unaffordable to the middle and working classes, without loans featuring terms that border on indentured servitude, and providing steady stream of income to cronies and kin. Longer-term effects include the general population coming to view college as nothing more than job training, because why else would you spend that kind of money except to get a job? As well as the demonization of the professoriate, usually under the cover of fighting indoctrination or political correctness. Meanwhile, the checks keep rolling in. In some states... They're simply cutting out the middleman and putting business leaders in charge. The regents of the University of Iowa just this week voted to hire as the institution's new president someone whose entire experience inside academia consists of teaching a few adjunct classes while serving as a marketing expert in a business that nearly disappeared under his tenure. We can stop this. First and foremost, vote. Most boards of public institutions are appointed by the governor or legislature of that state. In some states, such as Michigan and Colorado, at least a few of the board members are elected by the people. So study the issues relevant and vote. Secondly, change how you view college. We are not just job training. We can do that. And pretty well. But we have to be so much more than that. Higher education has been historically the protector of freedom and information and knowledge and research. It's got to be more than just job training. Finally, we all, especially those of us in academia at any level, need to stop thinking of students as consumers and degrees as products. Students listening to this, you are not a consumer in this case. You are attempting to make your life better through education. Do not fall for the rhetoric. Faculty members, keep that first and foremost in your mind at all times. Administrators, remember that the people who work at your institution are trying to change the world. Let them do just that. I am grateful to many colleagues, both in cyberspace and in what we used to term meat space, for helping shape this discussion. Special consideration is due Sarah Goldrick-Rabb of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Jim Bueller of the University of Texas-Austin, Chris Schaefer of the University of Colorado at Boulder, Kevin Holm-Hudson of the University of Kentucky, Nathan Long, president of Saybrook University in the Bay Area and Lori Rowe of Ivy Tech Community College. I thank them all for their many wonderful correspondences on these issues. Our theme music is my own rational exuberance, played by the Czech Philharmonic and available on Naxos. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful day.